and welcome to Pop Tarts. And laughing for an hour straight, and then go to fuck home. It means it means perviness with rats moving them. You know your way around a casserole. I think he had a leather toilet in his um. You're a fucking wild stallion. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watt. We are both editors of Bust Magazine here in Brooklyn, New York. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today, we have a very hilarious guest. Our guest today is a rising star on the stand-up scene. You, you could definitely say that she's made it big time. Janelle James is a Los Angeles-based comedian who you may know from the comedy lineup on Netflix. I know that's where I first caught her. She's also been on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She's been on Crashing on HBO. And she's toured with Chris Rock and Amy Schumer. And she's now the boss lady of the Janelle James Comedy Festival. The festival is returning to Brooklyn for its second year, December 5th through 7th at the Bell House. And her debut comedy album, Black and Mild, is available on all major streaming networks. She is currently a writer on Black Monday on Showtime. Welcome, Janelle. Thank you for visiting us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm not Los Angeles based. You're not? <laughs> I don't know why they Why is Because I was there for five seconds me. in New York. It's so, you know, petty that if you leave for a second, they immediately kick you out. Like, you, <gasps> you know, as soon as you tell New Yorkers you go to L.A., they're like, oh, you're in Los Angeles now. And they change your bio all up. Really? <laughs> I would never evict you from New York. So and I'm here to say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm both. I'm, mon- I'm money You're based. You're bi-coastal. <laughs> money based. <laughs> Whoever's paying me, I'm there. Janelle James a is a money-based money comedian <laughs> yes. who you may know I from the comedy it. lineup. Are That's you right. paying me in Albuquerque? I'm there. <laughs> um, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners a bit about your journey, I know that you began comedy at <laughs> 30. Like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> you were a stay-at-home mom in the Midwest. And then at 30, you suddenly became a major road comic. and you were opening for folks like Chris Rock and Amy Schumer. You're riding around on their private jets. You're now the proprietress, proprietress of your own comedy festival. It seems to have all come together for you very quickly. Can you catch up our listeners as to, <laughs> as to how this all happened? I mean, I okay, so where'd you get that <laughs> info? I mean, this all sounds very uh, step in, step in, step in, step, but that's not how it happened. First, yeah, I was a stay-at-home mom in the Midwest. That was not by choice. But uh, yeah, that's just what I was happen. I happened to be doing at the time when I started comedy. That's not what my whole life has been. Um, I worked. Uh, I, I previously lived in New York, and I worked in fashion for ten years. Then I ended up in the Midwest. Uh huh. Not by choice. With a man. With and a man. man. <laughs> and then while there, started comedy. Did an open mic. Uh huh. Did another open mic. Did a bringer. Uh huh. You know. Friends and family did a church, did a VFW, did the Chuckle Hut, did the Laugh a Lot. That's all over like five years. Uh-huh. And while there, started opening for headliners. The uh, where I was in Illinois was like a, a midway point between Chicago and St. Louis. So headliners, as they traveled through, would stop in the town I was in, and I was uh, I would frequently open for bigger comics. So that's where I met a lot of uh, people. So. I was able to progress in the Midwest maybe faster than other people may think, you know, or uh-huh. or seem. And so, but what it really did is help me that when I finally did come back to New York, I, I knew a lot of people. So that's why it, it, it might seem like things happen fast, but it was just me doing that's awesome. a shitload of, sh- right of shitty spot. shows. I mean, also, I was like pretty good. You know? <laughs> so that just, certainly helps. But it's been <laughs> it like is. eight years since you started, right? Yeah, and yeah. around there. The fact that you are opening for major like the biggest comedians in the country and that you have your own festival like normally it takes just from what i understand from other comedians it takes eight years to just like get out of the club in your hometown well i mean the first two years you're usually fucking around and one of the benefits of being uh older when i started is i didn't have time to fuck around Uh so you kind of skip i kind of skipped that part when i once i started and realized that that's what i wanted to do 
which was the first time I did it. That's when I realized uh -huh. that this is what I want to do. I went full force. So I was like doing shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every weekend for five years straight. You know, mm -hmm. so usually when people start, you do an open mic once a week or every t couple of weeks. And, you know, you, you're drunk and you're just fucking around. And it, I, I wasn't like that at all. I was very much um, doing it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Nobody what? wants to hear that, but that's what that's how you get it. A part of your it. glow up that I find <laughs> glow up. very fascinating that I would like to talk about a little bit. I heard you on a podcast that I enjoy very much called The Hilarious World of Depression. Correct. Um, as a, a chronically depressed person, I listen to it often and I enjoy it very much. Mm -hmm. And um, on there, you were talking about how you were coping with postpartum depression mm -hmm. and that you Which dealt. My, yeah. You dealt with it by becoming like this total stand-up comedy dynamo right so i mean yeah that sound i made it sound like i was self-motivated but i guess it was depression motivated <laughs> my hustle when so, you were talking uh, <laughs> about it i like it though it really um made me sort of like sit up straight and listen very carefully because it resonated with an aspect of my own life which was when when i was born my mom was a stay-at-home mom even mm -hmm. though she had a master's degree mm -hmm. my mom is very very brilliant she had me she had my brother and after and my brother and I are four years apart, like shortly after she had my brother, she was like, fuck this. Mm. Like she is too brilliant, too motivated, had too many things that she wanted to do outside the home. I, yeah. She was clearly unhappy. So first she started out just freelancing for the local newspaper and then like literally no time. She was running that entire newspaper. By the time I was in high school, she was running an entire chain of newspapers. Mm. There are different ways that very smart women deal with being a stay-at-home mom, but I only experienced that from the kids' side. And then I feel like when you were on The Hilarious World of Depression, it was the first time I got to hear a little bit of like maybe what my mom was going through when mm -hmm. this like really radical change happened in our lives. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about it because I'm so personally fascinated. I mean, I've just, I've always been a worker. I've been working since I was nine years old. My family, I come from a large family. We had a family business and I've just been always working. So not only, it, it was less about being a stay-at-home mom and just that I wasn't working. So it was like the first time in my life it were, wasn't working. And maybe a sane person would be like, phew, let me take a break. I was like, what the fuck? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I, um... I mean, and that wasn't even the only thing I did when I was in the middle. I was like, I would not sit down. I was like teaching Zumba. I was doing sewing lessons. I was just trying to be busy because I'm just that type of person. I need to be doing something. I need to be interacting with, with adults. You know what I mean? And um, so stand up was like something that got me out of the house and let me use my brain. And, you know, and uh, and at the time, I didn't know that that's that I was depressed like that just wasn't a word that was in my vocabulary you know uh -huh. what I mean I was just like I need to get moving so um yeah I mean I like for example so um uh, like two years in my dad was sick and that's probably a part of the reason I was sad at that point too it was just like a lot of things new place kids change of lifestyle dad's sick so it was just like everything so comedy like and then you know comedy if it's uh good it's just a whole room of people laughing like who don't want to mm -hmm. be around that uh -huh. you know so I was like into it and so um my dad actually he passed away and I was driving like three hours away to do a like a comedy contest and like half at the halfway point my brother called and he was like dad died and I still went like that's how <gasps> that's what my mentality I would second place I would have won if he hadn't died but anyway um <laughs> Damn. that's hard fucking core dude but I'm not even like oh this is how people should be that's not very healthy at all but that's just how uh -huh. you know so you know people are like well how do you get stuff so fast but you're not gay <laughs> <laughs> and you were be, you were living like the road comic life with yeah. little kids yeah I mean I have a there, my kids have an amazing father that I never talk about and get, never give him credit. It's not like I'm was in the in the chuckle hut with a kid strapped to my back. Like <laughs> I had a partner that def, that very much wanted me to like. He knows who I am. You know what I mean? He was uh -huh. like, "Oh, okay." Like once I started like freaking out about uh, living in the Midwest, he was he was very much encouraging me to be like, "Oh yeah, go do that." Like, "Oh, you seem much happier since you've been doing that." Like, go. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So, uh. Yeah, I don't want to make it seem like I was just some like single mom, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 
please someone babysit for me you know what i mean you made so, it work yeah i made it work and yeah. so thanks and very much thanks to him so you mentioned that you began your comedy career in these small clubs in illinois um where you were frequently the only woman on stage the only person of color in the whole place as well what did you learn while trying to make a room full of people laugh who maybe viewed you as someone very different from themselves when you first took the stage and how has your act changed now that you're possibly uh well definitely performing for more diverse well crowds. that was also my first time living in like a majority white place i had never lived in a small town i mean i'm from the islands which is basically a small town surrounded by water but that's it's like which uh, islands um i'm from the virgin islands from st thomas and uh but I had never lived in like the Midwest or a small town like that. I had never been around that many white people or that type of white person, <laughs> uh -huh. which is a totally different thing. I, I mean, I've lived in New York, you know, yeah. city folk. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mean, I really, again, probably because I'm not, did not even think about it in a trepidatious way. Like I wasn't scared. I, I've always known who I am. I've always been a like, who gonna check me kind of person. Like I'm going wherever the fuck I'm going, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, I had some, experiences where i remember i did this show so illinois still has what's called sundown towns and those are towns where historically black people knew after a certain time before the sun goes down you got to leave that fucking town so there i've done shows in those kind of places who still kind of operate like that so i've really yeah so i've done shows with where it's an hour long show and i'm up there for an hour and everybody's just staring at me like they've never seen a black person before and maybe that's true no one's laughing but i've done my hour and then after the guy whoever the producer is is like all right you gotta go go <laughs> you know oh, what i mean damn. like let me walk you to your car like you oh know my God. thanks for coming i'm so sorry i thought maybe you know i remember this one guy he was just so apologetic like i thought they would maybe give you a chance I, like I, i've done shows with with 50 people just staring at me with their arms crossed you know oh what i mean God. but when you're when you first now i wouldn't do that now i would i would do this i would still go to the place but i wouldn't like do the whole show but when you start you're like i'm contracted 50 minutes and I'm doing, you know what I mean? And I'm doing, so I'm like 49, 50. Thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now I'd be like, all right, well, fuck y'all. <laughs> keep your hundred dollars or whatever. I was getting paid at that time. But, um, I feel like it's, it just set me up to do any kind of show. Like I'm not scared of any situation when people are like, Oh, you bomb in New York. I'm like, who cares? Like, this is nothing. You know uh -huh. what I mean? I've like, could have been close to murder many times, but I ne it never even occurred to me. I was just so focused on like, just moving forward and getting better. Uh-huh. And you're now that you're not playing Sundown Towns mm -hmm. anymore, do you feel like you have more latitude to talk about whatever I mean, you want to talk about? I definitely know white people. I always feel like I have a superpower and uh <laughs> <laughs> I really I mean, just not even just doing comedy, just living in uh just living in the Midwest. I'm very like um an observant person. I like people watching, I like listening to people talk and just putting myself in situations I've never been in and Do you know your way on a casserole? I know my way, all the Triscuits, all that shit. <laughs> Chex mix, mix uh, topping, all that. Uh, <laughs> pineapple salsa on the tracks. I, I know all that. But uh, I haven't changed my act at all. I've never been like, oh, let me change or don't talk about race or don't do this to appease whatever. But I feel like I know how to approach certain subjects in a way that someone who may not have previously listened to me would tune in. Uh-huh. Like, and so it's, I can perform, I feel it's actually been, I've done it backwards in that I had more trepidation about doing black rooms. Interesting. Why? Because that's where I started. I started in, in, in white rooms. I see. And then to do black rooms, I'm like, so I guess you do kind of change your act. But I think when people think change your act, they think material It's just how you speak. Uh -huh. So it's just like on a switching. linguistics, yeah. just on a li linguistic standpoint, I always say white people like individualized comedy. Hey, Hey, you guys, last night I was eating dinner and da 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 da. Black people and minorities like collective type comedy. Oh. You guys ever been eating dinner? Ah. You know, we all eat dinner, da 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 da. And like <laughs> minorities like stuff like that when they're like, yeah, I eat dinner. White people want to hear like an individual about, your dinner. about my dinner. Yeah. So that's, it's just, and that's something I had to learn, you know? So I never um, thought of it that way in my life. Right. So the joke isn't changed, but the setup is is changed i'm gonna start paying because if i go to a black crowd and i'm like yeah i was eating it they're like who the fuck are you, you know I, mean? <laughs> Why should I care about your dinner you With know what i mean you gotta dinner. make them feel it like y'all ever been eating dinner and something happened they're like yeah i know what i've been eating dinner i know about dinner you know <laughs> <laughs> oh my god 
it's super into but i'm into it i'm mm-hmm. into those type of differences and what makes yeah, different people click and um what makes people what makes different people laugh and and be happy so i'm so curious about your curation process for your own comedy festival. Mm-hmm. I know you inherited it from Eugene Merman. I did. And y- you get to choose who is representing you essentially at the Janelle James Comedy Festival. What is your criteria for picking comics? How important was it for you to include a diverse mix of performers? So last year was uh, different and easier in that a lot of people last year were like my good friends. So I've seen them perform many, many times. I'm cool with all of them. I was like, come through, let's have fun. This year, because I didn't want to repeat performance, because I was just like, uh, why do that? We're in New York with hundreds of comedians. That just doesn't yeah. seem right to me. Um, and I do want to do, one thing I liked about Eugene's festival, what he did for me was he would have like an unknown person in between John Benjamin and, and, and all these other famous people. And he performing on his festival multiple times really like, debuted me to like the New York scene. They were like, oh, who's this? And between all these other people, you know what I mean? She must be great. And people would come in and, and see it. Or people that maybe wouldn't have seen me over at the saloon bar <laughs> show saw me on Eugene's thing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, I wanted to still be able to do that. Whereas comics that you may not have heard of or they're not mainstream or whatever. And then you, if you trust my judgment, <laughs> you're like, oh, uh, approved by Janelle James. And they get a wider audience. And I draw, like I said, I've, I've performed in front of so many different people. I, perf- I draw such a wide, diverse audience. It's mm-hmm. just good. Everyone on the, on the festival will be, will be seen by people who probably wouldn't have ever seen them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, just be funny. Make me laugh. I mean, I'm choosing. So it's all people that I think is, are funny and So you're hilarious. just like going out to the clubs and... No, I ain't no... I'm not no industry person, but... Um, <laughs> I do a lot of shows myself. Oh, so you're so just, yeah. you're already there. Yeah, I'm already there. So if I see somebody and, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, they crushed. And then I'm trying to do not only diverse in race and da, 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 but just a diverse type in, in type of acts. Because I hate when I go to a show and, it, and it's just the same type of comedy back to back. Four people talking about the same thing in the same cadence in the same way. And although your jokes might be different, it's just boring to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'd rather see one headliner do a uh full show than four people do the same type of comedy mm-hmm. so that was very important to me and then also scheduling the show so that mix really really flows so every you so you i mean everybody's doing 10 12 minutes so i just want people stimulated and laughing for an hour straight and then go the fuck home <laughs> <laughs> you betcha that you're from a big family you're the oldest of nine is that right yes I can only imagine that being the oldest of such a big family has helped you somehow in your new role wrangling an entire festival. Like, I mean, it's you- a drag, really. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, uh, I mean, I being the oldest of, of siblings, like running a festival <laughs> is, <laughs> is a drag because I am not a famous person, nor am I rich. So, but I am doing something that a lot of festivals don't do and that I'm paying everyone very well. So I am very dependent on attendance mm-hmm. but i'm not famous you know what i mean so that's a stress into itself like i need people to show up so that i can pay these people what i've promised them and if that doesn't happen then i pay them i'm paying them out of my own pocket it's very important for me to me to pay the comedians uh-huh it's also a drag in that comedians are little petty cry baby bitches you know what i mean <laughs> so it's just like why didn't you put me on a festival this year? it's just like there's 12 slots just give me a break. There's so many shows in New York. You're in New York. Like, uh-huh. You're not going to die if you're not on my, <laughs> on my festival. But everybody gets in their feelings and takes things personal. So that's a drag because I'm not trying to like hurt anybody's feelings. I just want good vibes to sound real L.A. And so that's another aspect that I've been taking into booking. There's people who I think are very funny or who are very popular that would very much do my festival if I wanted them to. But they ain't got good vibes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. coming. So maybe if you know if you're mad at me, maybe figure out if you're an asshole or whatever. I just don't like not only on stage, but I I want my backstage experience to be happy. You know what I mean? I want everybody back there. We got wine. We fucked up. We're ready to make people laugh. Yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to waste people's time. People's money is very hard, and uh, privilege to be the thing out of everything that's happening in New York on a weekend for them to pick you and come out to go on is you about to have a good time and it's yeah. my name on this shit so it it's really i don't want anybody who's bombing and then they're yelling at the audience we've mm-hmm. all been if you're a comedy fan been to a uh, 
comedy show where you laugh feeling bad. That's not yes. my, uh-huh. that's not my goal. So that's how I booked it. <laughs> Basically, a I long actually, explanation of all I've, the things I took into account. Yeah, <laughs> I've mentioned this on the show before that I, and this has never happened to me, but I love I love stand up comedy, but I right. am scared of going to shows because I've seen comics like point out people who maybe look a little bit different in the audience and then just like i mean i do feel like that's an old school type of comedy that doesn't really happen not everyone's don rickles (laughs) um (laughs) i mean sure whatever but i feel like those type of comics who do like roast or crowd work or pick on people in the audience that's their thing and you would know you know like they're searched out for that like people enjoy that uh-huh i don't like when it's sprung on people you know what i mean so yeah. if i'm if i'm a comic that's like hey look at you that shirt da, da, da. a lot of people like that they sit up front to be to be picked on but for my event uh-huh. <laughs> i don't want nobody to get picked on yeah. you know what i mean so that's all i'm saying i'm not saying there's anything wrong with those type of comics i do shows with those type of comics all the time and they're funny and it's great but i don't want anybody to come to my shit and be like damn i wore my favorite shirt and this motherfucker just ruined my night you know what I mean? <laughs> that's just not cool to me i would love to get your take on you know there's a lot of cancel culture mm-hmm. there's a lot of me too impacting a lot of industries but it's really causing a ruckus in stand-up comedy land mm-hmm. just like very recently there was a comedy showcase that grabbed headlines because Harvey Weinstein showed up there with his friends and oh, there was Lord. a woman on stage who started making jokes about the fact that there was a rapist in the audience. That's, that's and then what I, I would have gotten kicked out. The audience started shout, shouting at her to shut the fuck up and sh- it was her microphone time to do with as she wanted to. But I'm just wondering, as someone who's putting together a festival, mm-hmm. um, what is your view of the incident and this cultural moment in general when it comes to like putting together comedy shows? cultural moment in general i mean again i'm trying to go for a no asshole policy for right. just for the just <laughs> if harvey weinstein for, shows up to your show can he come i in? wish you would show up <laughs> like i think he know better but um <laughs> well, I don't think <laughs> at least the people that sit i don't know i mean i always feel like not that i always feel like most times people who do those type of things the rapists and the harassers they know who to fuck with and it sucks Cause I always say I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I've been sexually harassed in, in this and I've had moments where I wasn't, I didn't react like how I thought I would react. We all like, Oh, if that happened to me, da, 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 da. I've had moments where I didn't. And it really like fucked with my head. And this was in the Midwest. And I think that's, that's cause I was new and that's why I was fucked with. I was new. Mm-hmm. So people know who to fuck with, you know what I mean? And I feel like my reputation at this point, Harvey Weinstein would know not to come to my shit. Is is I'm not really you're unfuckwithable. Yeah, I'm not even joking on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess if he wants another incident to happen or whatever, but um, I just yeah, it's 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 uh unfortunate because yeah, they pick on new younger female comics who aren't sure of themselves or they're standing in the in the field yet, and they know what they're doing when they do it. So it sucks because I always feel like. Racism works in my in my favor in a lot of ways because a lot of a lot of dudes are scared of black women, regardless. You know what I mean? Just straight up. So that's worked in my favor in the mid. That worked in my in my favor in the Midwest a lot. Like they wouldn't have, they've never even dealt with a black woman. They only see us on TV screaming and you know on cops or whatever. Which a lot of people in the Midwest love. Oh, oh they do love some cops. Um, <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people w- wouldn't even talk to me. Period. So the plus side was. A lot of people wouldn't talk to me, and the plus, the minus, I was a lot of people wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, it sucks because you want to be, you have to be a really strong person to do this and to make it, make it, whatever it is. But it, I don't think it's fair that you have to be. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's people's excuse. Like, well, people should be, these girls should be stronger. They should fight back. You shouldn't have to be some GI Janes, you know, uh, super bitch to mm-hmm. make it through this shit. It's not the army. We should not be getting hazed with dick and all of that stuff like yeah. we're telling jokes so one thing that has changed is that there's these communities where people find themselves they start their own that's what eugene merman did he he was the king of all his style of comedy was not accepted in like the main clubs so he started his own shit he's like oh i'm gonna do it at the bell house or in this laundromat or in this you know bowling alley or whatever he started that movement of being of taking comedy outside of of comedy clubs so that's what's happening now. Women are getting together. They're like, we're going to start our own fucking show. We're not going to put assholes on it. We're not going to allow assholes to be at it. And so, uh-huh. yeah, so it's been, 
a good thing. Cool. In a lot of ways. If you want to come up through the gauntlets of the comedy club, a lot has not changed. (laughs) (laughs) Unfurtunately. I apologize in advance for the prurience of this next question. Oh, boy. Word on the street. I don't street. know what that means, so I'm real sure. It means, it means perviness. <laughs> okay. Oh, perviness. Okay. Know that one. Uh, <laughs> word on the street is that when you were 19 years old, mm-hmm. you made out with God, Lenny well, Kravitz. Is very obsessed with it. I knew it. Okay. Uh-huh. In his because tour bus. Lenny Kravitz. I that just told you how much life I've lived, and I'm like, yeah, okay, next. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Can you, Janelle James, Please divulge every sensory detail of that encounter. I mean, Do it slowly. <laughs> Take your time. I'm trying to think. I, if I if I really think about it, I can remember. I remember how he smelled. I remember how that trailer smelled. I remember how did he smell? How did the trailer smell? He smelled. So this was after the concert. So he smelled slightly sweaty. He smelled like leather. It was a lot of leather in the. I can see this in, right. <laughs> Now, also, I don't know if I'm making this up, but in my mind, because I'm like, I must be making this up because it can't be true. I think he had a leather toilet in his um, in his, in his tour bus. He had yeah, a leather tour bus toilet, like the lid like and the, the cover. Yeah, I can see that. And I remember like taking note of that. But then when I say it now, you know, 15 years later, I'm like, was that true? <laughs> I can totally. Up, I Lenny Kravitz, I know you listen to this oh, show. Jesus, if you have please, a leather Kravitz, toilet, I, I need just, you to get at me and let me know. I was very into Lenny Kravitz at that point. I was a very much the same way Teeny Boppers went after NSYNC and all of that. Like, I was like, Lenny Kravitz is my Justin Timberlake. You know what I mean? And just to so, be clear, you were of age. Yes, yes, yes. 19. All above board. And um, my friend worked at a record label and she would get like free. And I basically follow him like almost famous oh all around <laughs> like trying so as you go to the concerts you can you kind of see what the setup is to get backstage <laughs> yeah I love this. to get backstage and so just so happened god i was such a bitch but just so happened the the concert that i ended up meeting him at my boyfriend at the time is who bought the tickets it wasn't through my friend and he bought me the tickets and he's like it's i can't for my birthday and he's like, we're going to go to Lenny Kravitz. But I'm already on the phone with my friend. Like, we're going to Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> so he's like, no, I bought it a week ago. And I'm like, how will I get backstage if you're with me? <laughs> like, that's how obsessed I was. And he, he, I guess being a pushover, let me go. Did he think you were joking? I mean, I know he knew I wasn't joking about going with him. Like, I was not going to go with him. <laughs> Like you're, he wasn't even yeah, a fan. Yeah, but who says I'm going to get backstage with Lenny Kravitz and then actually does it? I don't it. think he believed I would and um yeah i took my friend and so the setup that i had uh noticed on at other concerts was there, there was this guy he had this afro wig and he would be playing tambourine on stage and then towards the end of the show when lenny kravitz was playing let love rule he would come into the audience and give certain people a vip backstage pass and so my seats were on the aisle and i saw him coming out and I was super hot then, so I made sure I danced like in front of him. And he like he gave me the sticker. So in my nineteen year old I was like, I'm gonna sleep with Lenny Kravitz. And so anyway, I say me, they say you go on the bus, and I get on the bus. I'm on there by myself. I'm looking around, but I also grew up very religious. So this isn't a endorsement for religion, parents, <laughs> whatever, whoever. But I even before he got on the bus, I was like, I can't do this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I felt like I was like, this is far enough. And I think I was going to get off the bus. I was like, just at that, you know, like in a team movie where I'm just like, I'm going to get off the bus. And then he got on the bus. And then I was just like, oh, you know what I mean? So when people ask me for details and shit, I can't. My I just remember my brain was like, let me grab it, let me grab it. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It wasn't so even like I was some seductress. Out. You know what I mean? You know, so I don't know if I enjoyed it. I don't know. You know what I mean? But I remember he like kissed me. And then I Tongue. said. I don't think so. I don't even think we got that deep into the kiss. Just soft, closed mouth yeah. kisses. Yeah, like a starter l- kiss. With and Lenny I, he Kravitz. like moved my hair. Like it was going there. It maybe was going the tongue. And I was like, I want to get off. Oh, Plus. shit. Aww. And he put his hands up like the cops were. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, okay. To his credit. Yeah, so no baby, baby, please. No. He's like, send in the next one. You know, okay. <laughs> like it's like 80, you know, it was like eight of us, you know, in the line outside. You're like, all right, that's cool. But then you met him later on as a grown person. And oh. SNL. And I was like, hey, we made out on your tour bus when I was 19. And he was like, ha ha ha. <laughs> 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 you know. 
Um, he laughed as if like to say, you know, yeah, that could be true. That's hilarious. Janelle James, are you a feminist? I would say so. Great. Do you? <laughs> and next question. No, no, no. <laughs> Have you, has your feminism been you impacted stay. at all by your career journey? Has my feminism been impacted at all? Like, am I more or less? Yeah, like, have your life experiences um, made your feminism something that maybe it wasn't before? Um, I feel like people look at me as some type of, like, feminist role model simply because what I'm doing, comedy is still very male-dominated. So it's a lot of, like, how could you even survive, you know, that type of thing. But, again, that's a personality trait. I've just always been someone who I dare you to tell me I can't do whatever it is I'm doing you know mm-hmm. what I mean but that's what that goes back to again how it's not fair that you would have to be this type of personality to do it mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean but a lot of my uh movement and the way I've lived my life is just based on my personality and I it's uh I was raised by a man I feel like I emulate male <laughs> um um a lot of people say I have male energy. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it really just means big that I ain't scared energy. of you. Big dick energy. Yes, I have big dick energy. So I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I was raised by a man. I have five brothers. Like it's, wow. We're all very competitive. We're all very, um, we're all in creative fields. We all work for ourselves. Wow. And um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope that I make, you know, I, I, not only do I hope I know because I get all these notes all the time, like you've made me feel like i could you know mm-hmm. so uh that's pretty feminist i guess and yeah I try definitely to look out, always try to look out for other women i don't feel like i'm competing with any other woman or anybody period but um i feel like when you're truly a feminist and you're you know yourself that's one thing that you can let go of that is a comp- competition the girl on girl crime yeah right the girl on girl crime that i'm competing with an, with, a, with a if anything i'm competing with men because a lot of them are, are less funnier than me <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and they're above me. So that's who I that's who I want to get off the table, not another woman. <laughs> that's yeah. heartening yeah. to hear you say it. I know that the way that the the comedy scene has operated for a long time was basically saying, well, there there can be a girl on the line. Right. And so that And I've been that girl and I'm still that girl for a lot a lot of shows. Uh-huh. And so that would breed competition where it doesn't have to exist. Right. Be so it's nice to hear that. Yeah, I mean, and people say, well, you don't tell girl jokes. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, I'll, I'll, and women say that. It's it, That's been really interesting. Just the Periods, am I right, ladies? It's like, I have them. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with periods, am I right, ladies jokes. The mm-hmm. same way you got to hear dicks, am I right, fellas jokes? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? You know, it mm-hmm. really comes down to men not wanting to hear women speak, period. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's really what it is. And so, in the so again, me starting in the Midwest, I know and was honored to be <laughs> a woman that I know a lot in standing in front of a lot of dudes who've never had to listen to a woman talk that long. Just about anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know much less a black woman, you know what I mean? So that was just like very interesting to me. And I liked it. Like you're going to fucking listen to my, to my yuck yucks and what you're going <laughs> to do about it. And you're going to laugh. What you going to do about it? Isn't <laughs> yeah. that amazing? You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I like this shit. It's really, I feel like if you use it right or use it in the right way, it really does like bring people together. It, it really gives people perspectives that they may not have thought of or would have not been exposed to. I like that aspect of it. Tell me, what are your hopes and dreams and plans <laughs> for 2020? It's almost here. Uh, I don't really plan too much in advance. Um, I hope to see my kids more. And that's about it. Everything else just happens. Do it's you care wise. at all about the election? Yes. Definitely. What are, your, <laughs> what are your thoughts? I mean, we are living in a nightmare. <laughs> so yeah. it's I've noticed that my comedy has got I've gotten definitely sillier. And I think it's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I just can't even talk about that shit anymore. Like a lot of it isn't funny to me. You know what I mean? It's like beyond jokes at this point. So that's been kind of suck because I do like to say state of the world type things. But the state of the world is so fucked up that my focus like how i was talking about the festival is just to make people laugh like i feel like we need it you know what yeah I mean? yeah definitely and, uh i i mean i and it sucks because i really like dark shit i like you know uh som- uh somber gallows humor gallows humor but i've been really i mean i got excellent five on farts right now that uh i previously <laughs> would not have had maybe before trump 
Trump, for all the fart jokes that you have engendered. It's like, let's just listen to this. Let's do some silly stuff. Let's uh-huh. just have fun. So we are going to take the briefest of breaks. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Janelle. Janelle's going to ask Callie. Callie's going to ask me. What, what you watching? Watchin'? <laughs> hey, podcast fans. Did you know that the best place to listen to your favorite shows ad-free is Stitcher Premium? They've got Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine The Lost Trail, Bitch Sesh, The Fantasy Footballers, Science Rules with Bill Nye, and more, all without commercial interruptions. And we can hook you up with a sweet deal. To get one month free, go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code POPTARTS. That's stitcher.com slash premium, promo code POPTARTS. Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be. And you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via WolfieVibesPublicity.com for details and quotes. And tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Uh, essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious. And I knew would make great podcasts. And every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted, and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have dockets. We all have a docket. Sex. Welcome to my vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. Yep. <laughs> scams. I'm Caitlin Bradley Smith. <laughs> and, and we love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German Russian heiress and she seems like she has a lot of money and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. It's amazing. So smart. I mean, so smart. I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately. Because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. And we're back. Ooh. Janelle James, I want to know what you're watching. And when I say what you're watching, it is a broad pop cultural question. We're talking about books, TV, movies, music, music videos, podcasts. If it is pop cultural and you are consuming it, we want to know, Janelle, what you're watching. So as I mentioned before, I'm just very into silly things right now or just like uh, things you can watch and not have to think about it too much very much enjoying my third run through of the good wife which <laughs> i think is i've never a, seen it. it's an excellent show like it's uh is it about a wife it's about a <laughs> wife and it's um juliana super, margulies juliana very feminist in 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 a in a way of the classic politician who cheats on his wife she has to stand by his side but then in the midst of it decide like it's like why the fuck you know, and he, he, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. He humiliates me and then I got to stand next to him like, he's a great guy. So he can continue his career. And so, so she, wasn't having that. Yeah. So she ends up going back to work. She was a lawyer, she, but she's went home and became a stay at home mom while he became like a state senator or something. And so because of this, it a lot, because of him fucking up, it allows her to go back into the workforce, uh-huh. maybe look at some strange, you know what I mean? Like some other you know, <laughs> people so say strange. I don't know. Yeah. You know, the, uh, appraise other dick options you know um oh, what are you doing i wonder oh, if just a dick appraiser wears one of those eye pieces <laughs> and monocle like, a, and like a diamond <laughs> district guy and just also classic law show where you see your different cases and i love that the different type of lawyers and personalities and judges and da, 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 and it, it's great very like heartfelt there's kid shit there's current events i just I, it's like law and order with uh Julian. You had me at Law and Order. Yeah, it's a it's a good show. I mean, you know, every show jumps a shark like season four or whatever, but you got four 
four seasons of. Greatness. And then the good fight is the highest rated Which is show on great. streaming. I couldn't even believe it. Like it, the spinoff is also amazing. So they doing some really good writing and handle a lot of very serious topics in a really good way. Like it's 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 a good show. So I've been watching that. Um, I just started Transylvania. Is it Transylvania? Yeah. Season two, which is an anime show about Dracula on oh, Netflix. Cool. Oh, I, I think I saw a poster. It's really good. Another feminist uh, take on Dracula in that Dracula was married to a scientist, a female scientist, basically. And she had convinced him to like, hey, can you chill on the killing people thing? And he was so <laughs> in love with her that he did. He was like chilling and he goes away to, on a trip or whatever. And here comes the Catholic Church like, hey, you're doing science. You're a witch. And they burn her. And now <gasps> Dracula is tearing shit up. Oh, oh this does sound That also great. sounds very similar to my very favorite show of all time, Dark <laughs> Shadows, which ah. is the, the soap opera from the 60s. They're not in love, so to speak. They're mm. sort of like, they have sort of a will they, won't they? Mm. The vampire and his, the, his lady scientist. Oh, I can't believe I haven't seen that. Yet. Yeah, and she like finds out. a way for him to chill out on the killing people. Yeah, oh. but it doesn't last. I mean, you gotta eat. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Am I right, vampires? Anyway, so um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been watching that. I've been listening to my favorite murder. I love those broads. I love it. I mean, I do like murder, and I like them because they're two older women. They found their niche. And uh-huh. now they're killing it. Have you ever listened to that podcast? Oh, yeah. Uh, many they're times. So, yeah. What do you think about the fact that women are so obsessed with murder? I mean, I feel, and I, this has been said, this isn't my idea, and I, I just agree with it, that women listen to that shit because we're the ones that get killed, mm-hmm. and we're unconsciously trying to figure out how not to. Yeah, I think exactly. I've heard that. <laughs> I think they've talked and about consciously. That. And we're kind of doing a horror movie thing of, like, scaring ourselves. I think they talked like, about I, that on one of the first episodes, that yeah. that's how they got obsessed with murder is because they wanted to make yeah so i mean since listening to that shit i don't go to my laundry room if i lock my door behind me i don't you know what i mean and it's just like will that prevent me from getting killed maybe but as much as i can do sure you know what i mean as much as i can do to prevent the killing sure because it happens to us you know what i mean so and also the reason i started listening to them i I heard two male comics talking about it and they sounded so fucking jealous i was like this (laughs) shit must be amazing Mm -hmm. they were like hating on it so hard Mm. You know, and oh, oh murder is funny. It, 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 it just the derision, and if I was like, these broads must be killing it, and, <laughs> and lo and behold, they are. Yeah, so they um, are. It's I a good that. show. I love that. I listen to the read, which is how I find. <gasps> I'm out obsessed with the reads. Um, and what am I reading? I recently got a soup magazine. Did you say a soup <laughs> magazine? Yes, <laughs> soup quarterly, soup yes. monthly. <laughs> And I was sitting in bed, uh, what is smoking season? a joint and drinking peppermint tea, reading my soup magazine. And I was like, this is where I have arrived. You are living <laughs> your All best life. All the way life. from Kravitz to soup. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds cozy as shit. Yes, I'm I am very cozy. Soup magazine, I, that's why I wasn't mad about coming back to the East Coast. I like winter. I Ooh, love being cozy. Cuffing season. I love a good soup. What else are you watching? I'm not watching it right so now, good. but everybody should watch season one of Black Monday, the show that I write on, and season two is coming soon. I'm also in it. Um, yes. What um what channel is that on? Showtime. Oh. Don Cheadle, Paul Scheer. No it's wonder criminally unwatched, and it's a true comedy, which is jokes on jokes on jokes. It's the best job I've ever had. And Do you uh, hang out with Don, Ch- Don Cheadle? I do not hang out with Don Cheadle. I hang out with him on set. He's oh. mad cool. Like, I feel like I could hang out with him if I simply asked, but I would never. Right. <laughs> I understand. I like relationships to happen organically, and I'm not trying to be friends with anybody that much more wealthy than me. I think it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I ever reach for my wallet? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you go the, it's just a weird situation. So I always say I'll be friends with famous people when I'm famous. Okay. <laughs> even ground. And, e- and maybe not even then. It's all very weird. Hollywood is very weird. Mm-hmm. It creeps me out. Anyway. <laughs> Callie, what you watching? No, no. <laughs> what am I watching? Uh, Riverdale is back. Riverdale is crazy. Love Riverdale. No, it was back. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude, Luke Perry's death episode made me cry. Hey, like, oh, the Shannon Joe already came. It was a guest on that. Aww. I think that's why I stopped watching it when he died. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was so sad. But they really covered they they it was a very beautiful, lovely yeah. tribute and they yeah. just blended it into the show. The intern Carrie here, she thinks the Chughead may be asleep this entire time. And oh, it's is, a, all a dream like on Dallas? Yes, because it's getting no. so fucking 
crazy there's a haunted doll i mean is it following comic book canon i mean what else can they do that show has <laughs> never followed comic I know. book I mean, canon the comic book there's is just like, like who's gonna get archie so i guess they yeah, gotta make there's up like shit. a dug up brother he was dead <gasps> and now he's just chilling in a chair Reanimated. with rats moving him <gasps> with rats moving yeah, him. she thought he had moved and it was a rat in his <gasps> clothes because he's a dead person that she's hiding oh in the God. fucking basement in a chair. Oh, yeah, that's wow. fucking haunted doll. That's great. And then, you know, we got these kids are never in school. except All they do is take drugs and have sex in very fancy La Perla underwear. Way. That's no way. Now they all got no, full ass <laughs> jobs. We got Archie owns a boxing That's right. Thing. Ooh, that he's he's shirt is always off. I shall tune in. And he's, he also has like a, it's becoming like a youth center. Oh, and so then more youths can take their shirts off gratuitously. Because the youths are I selling drugs for a drug dealer. Is it still Jingle Jangle or have they yes, changed it? Yes, it's Jingle Jangle. And they're, they're selling Jingle Jangle in exchange for free arcade games and pizza. Imagine never having seen the show and having to hear this conversation. <laughs> it sounds like I hope it makes you want to watch it. <laughs> I was, it's so crazy. There's like, there's so many spiraling plots. Speaking of a lot, American Horror Story 1984. Jesus Christ, what the fuck is going on in this show? Good or bad? Is that on right now? Yeah. Oh, the new American Horror Well, who just are the, ended. Who are the monsters on this one? There oh, is are, that a spoiler? There are three serial killers, four serial oh, killers. Wow. Oh, I might watch wow. this season. I don't like. Some of them I'm not sure yet. If they are serial killers, if they're being set up to be serial killers. There's a serial killer named the Jiggly Man. <laughs> the Jingles. Mr. Jingles. Because mm. I'm super interested in that. I don't like horror movies with like demons and stuff like that. But oh, if it's like a, something that's actually plausible to happen, I'm into it. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> opposite. I'm all about supernatural horror. Yeah, well, you like both would enjoy this because there's also ghosts yay for ghosts and i'm out again (laughs) (laughs) so there's the serial killers there's the ghost there is is there angela bassett no there's no there is um dialogue like this that bike is an evil mistress be gentle on the throttle you're a fucking wild stallion (laughs) yikes (laughs) i feel like i was there callie i feel like this is it's intentionally over the top cheesy because it's supposed to be a spoof on an 80s horror movie. I hope that's why they wrote I mean, shit like Ryan Murphy is a maniac. It, it's, it's is that who, write, who runs that show? He makes everything. It's seriously the most insane that they've done yet. Um, I also saw this documentary, The Paradise Fires, which was heartbreaking. I saw that too because you were texting. There was a group, a bust group text about this documentary and we were all crying i know i watched 15 texting. minutes in and had to check my period tracker oh yeah won't be checking that out either <laughs> it's so sad but i had a friend that lives in that we just wrote an article about her town where the fire started so i was like extra in my feels because i was when the fire was happening she was with her dad and he was dying so she couldn't get there to figure out what was going on i, was, I wasn't on my period i cried that never happens and American Son. Have you guys seen this one? No. I can't watch that. I mean, in, somebody's crying in the preview. I just, I'm not oh. got enough real shit to cry about. I can't even watch sad shit. That's the other thing Trump has done for me. I cannot watch crying. Oh, this anymore. one is, <laughs> this one's intense. It's uh, Carrie Washington. There's actually only four characters in the whole movie. It was based, based on a play. play. Yeah. And, and they're all in on? one room. Netflix. Carrie Washington is the mom. She plays a mom and the son is missing. And I don't want to give too much away because it's kind of, the twist off, fuck the twist up. But it's basically about how a white dude cannot understand the emotional struggle of being a black mom in uh, today's society. In it, any society. Yeah. In any society, yeah. <laughs> Ever since but, yeah, in any the world began. Yeah. Society. So it was, it was fucking really good. Oh, and then I saw The Laundromat with Meryl Streep. I need to watch that. Was yeah. it good? Yeah. Who would have thought? That it took Meryl Streep and a wig for me to understand what a shell company was. Ah. <laughs> now it can be told. Yeah. I, told I feel like Meryl Streep and a wig could school. explain anything to me. I wish he had been my math teacher. What you watching? I'm so glad you asked. Before I launch into that, I want to briefly say that Bust is having a big event. It's mm. called the Bust Craftacular. It's on Saturday, December 7th and Sunday, December 8th. But this podcast that you're listening to right this now, Pop Tarts is going to be having a live taping at the Craftacular where our guest will be Kara Lowenthal of the much beloved podcast, Unfuck Your Brain. 
She's going to come. She's going to unfuck our brains. She's going <laughs> to unfuck your brains. Everybody's brain gets unfucked. Just, just in time the for place. the holidays. Um, we're going to be recording this live podcast at 3.15 here in Industry City. If you want the details, um, come to Craftacular. It's like spectacular, but with craft. <laughs> Craftacular.bust.com. And after our live podcast taping, we're going to be giving a little podcasting 101 class and the whole pot tarts team is going to be there Callie and I are going to be there luscious logan is going to be there our um i'll producer, be serving a variety of soups that's right <laughs> soups will be there jesse karen who produces this for us is going to be there we're going to answer all your podcasting questions so come on down it's going to be a party there's also lots of other classes you can sign up for those are all at craftaculartbus.com that's right like crafty classes and witchy classes business classes classes, coding there's a ton of stuff i gotta do to get on a bus magazine cover as i look around the first step is to to be on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) you'll be up on that wall in no time and now my friends here's what i've been watching um this past weekend i was a special guest on a live show put on by the podcast let's talk about cats and it was the live show was called the tail and whiskers club which is sort of a salon for crazy cat people. That's such a cute name. And it was held at um, the historic Red Room above the KGB bar in East 4th Street. If you are not aware of it, it is so very famous. It's where Red Emma Goldman used to hold her meetings for her secret society of anarchists in the 1900s. It's where Lucky Luciano used to have his speakeasy one floor down. When I was a professional stage manager in my other life, that was the very last place that I professionally stage managed up in the Red Room. And that place is haunted as hell. Ooh. Know that. Um, so I was a guest at a show there in the Red Room on East 4th Street. And it was hosted by Mary Phillips Sandy, who also hosts uh, Let's Talk About Cats. And if you are a cat lover, this is going to be an ongoing live event, the Tail and Whiskers Club. So look out for that. So they just talk about their own cat. There were different guests. I was there. Uh, a woman, uh, Eva Dixit from the New York Times was there. There was a stand-up comedian there. And we talked about our cats. Cool. And trust and believe that it was hilarious. Because <laughs> we're, all, we're all, you know, a little nuts in that, <laughs> in that area. Um, but also, so if you are a cat lover in New York, go to these live events. If you are not in New York, but you're a cat lover, check out the podcast, Let's Talk About Cats, because she has really interesting, cool guests like Mara Wilson and Jay Smooth. And by asking them about their cats, you really find out a lot about the person oh. just by the way that they talk What's about their, say about their feline friends. Um, I'm midway through the Tokyo season of Queer Eye on Netflix. I Oh, I didn't know there was I one. am sobbing my way through. It is so, but not in a sad way, in an uplifting way. They are, because Japan is in the future and yet very repressed, mm-hmm. both. And so like the first episode, there is a woman who turned her whole house into a hospice after her sister died. And she's given absolutely everything in her whole life to people in hospice care. And so she even gave up her own bedroom. So she was sleeping on the floor Aww. in front of the doorway of what was once her bedroom. And like the Queer Eye guys came in and like, turned this adjacent area into like a whole community center with a special little sleeping nook just for her. And she learned she there's a term in Japanese that's called I've given up. That basically means I've given up being a woman. And they taught her to reverse that idea that you can actually through self-care, not give up being a woman. I'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) So much work. I totally get the appeal. (laughs) turning in that woman card there's also like a lot of pressure to be like a very certain kind of woman and so they also talk to this very very talented manga artist this girl who's 23 and like is hung up on the fact that when she was a teenager she was constantly bullied for not being like the perfect kind of girl that all japanese girls are supposed to be and they taught her to embrace the girl that she is and uh that was really cool and then there's a a gay japanese dude who is out and proud elsewhere in the world but not in japan which is his home and so oh, they wow. helped him become more comfortable at home than he was he was having to live his true best life outside of his home and now he is able to in the place where he lives and he introduced his boyfriend to his mom and to his brother and it was a big deal and the tears were flowing i love it flowing and also the last thing that i watched is um 
There was a 2018 film adaptation of my favorite Shirley Jackson novella. She's a very gothy writer. And she wrote this amazing novella called We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Oh, I've heard about this. This adaptation is on Netflix now. It's so good. It stars Tessa Farmiga, Alexandra Daddario, and Crispin Glover as this family Ooh, of Crispin Glover. Crispin. Such a weird. Yes, such a weird. This is such a good role for him too. There's this family of recluses, two sisters and their uncle, who are just hiding away in this vast gothic manor in the South. So he's playing himself. Yeah. <laughs> After a mysterious a never poisoning w- wiped out like the whole rest of their family, just the three of them are <laughs> hiding out in this huge manner and then this and then crazy shit goes down. This movie is witchy, it's gothy, it's creepy, it's very feminist. It is pitch black dark humor. Well, I want to see this. And um it's it was directed by a woman named Stacy Passan and she did such a great job because Shirley Jackson is not an easy writer to bring to life on the screen exactly and she just did a bang up job i can't say enough about it it was one of those movies where as soon as you're done you just want to watch it all over again and that is what i have been watching spectacular thank you so much to our producers kate moldenauer and jesse Karen at more banana productions and of course our luscious audio engineer logan del fuego (laughs) muy caliente logan you can make that (laughs) muy caliente And to our girl gang at Bust Magazine, you cannot find Callie on the socials. Don't even try. She's on there lurking like a lurking lurker and you cannot find her. I'm on Twitter at Emily Rams and I'm on the gram at Rams Emily because somebody took Emily Rams on the gram. I don't understand why. Do you follow them? No, but I should. should. But they don't post. It's just nothing. It was waiting for you. It's somebody who's trying to extort me and I'm not going to fall for it. Janelle, where can people find you on the socials? You can find me at Janelle James Comedy, uh, my rarely updated website. And um, on Twitter, Janelle J Comic. But if you just go into Googles or the Bings or whatever and put in my name, Janelle, J-N-E-L-L-E, James, all that shit will come up. You click on, I'm on there talking shit. I'm still on Facebook talking shit. I'm on instagram talking shit that's what i do for a living and, you <laughs> and can, if people do that they can find your your comedy festival as well you can right? find my comedy fe- festival my specials my album listen to i mean my album is underrated i i will say that with no uh the opposite uh, of pride <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't think of right shame shame without You're shame. shamelessly <laughs> plugging yes my album, it is both black and mild both that and just funny like i'm so proud of it it's an accumulation of like my whole first year, eight years of, of comedy. So I knew it was good. I waited like I was offered to do an album way before I did this one. And I waited till I was happy with it. It was uh, uh, recorded over one show with no edits. And I, I recorded it in a way that you feel like you're there in the classic like Richard Pryor album way in that you can hear people snorting. You can hear, <laughs> you know, glasses clinging and people gasping for breath that one dude who tried not to laugh the whole time and then he just burst out in the end like all that stuff is what i enjoy in comedy albums so please check that out and after you check that out you're gonna want to come to my festival which is gonna be dope gonna be uh me the people i've picked and also ilana glazer the lucas brothers amy schumer just today demanded to come back again so she might be my only repeat <laughs> amazing person i mean and she could perform wherever the fuck she wants so that tells Absolutely. you what yeah. about and, when is my it? the- and it's uh december 5th the 7th at the Bell House Brooklyn, which is an excellent. Have you guys I been? I love the Bell House. Yeah, excellent. anniversary party there. 20th anniversary Another of reason uh, just really uh, adds to the whole vibe of the, of, the, of the festival. Like the people, everybody that works there is nice. The bouncers aren't assholes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Just blow your Uber budget for the month. Come on down. That's to right. the Janelle James Comedy Festival. It's going to be a time. And much like <laughs> Black and Mild, another thing that is criminally underrated that everyone... Um, should do is know about this podcast pop tarts a way to help spread the word is by rating and reviewing this podcast on itunes slash apple podcast is what they call it now now i'm going to give you some real talk right now i check our analytics there's a few thousand of you listening to every episode and we love you and we appreciate you you want to know how many of you have liked and rated us on itunes 275 okay That's always the out rub. of thousands <laughs> of you listening this is the way that you pay us and it literally costs no money 
just take a minute go on apple podcast it is literally like People money in the bank are entertaining you for free you could click a fucking button i don't understand what's wrong with y'all everybody's <laughs> spoiled just do it like the next time you go to listen to the podcast right next to it i'm sure it's a button that says like just click that shit like stop like saving your little bit of internet power it's whack <laughs> it's mad corny like stop it retweet your friend shit promote your friends and family stuff promote the work of artists that you like that's how we get paid and that's the win how we don't how we can prevent ourselves from selling out and going corporate and you having to hear shit about, you know, yes, stuff you don't like every 10 seconds. Dropping right? it. Give people a fucking like. Stop Janelle it. James, I appreciate <laughs> you. Come to my festival. Yeah, I'm really positive, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you give us a good review and then you email us, I'm at emilyrems at bus.com. Callie W at bus.com. And say, look, like my handle on on Apple Podcast is Diet Coke Lover six six six, and I wrote that you guys are the best podcast out there. We'll we'll probably give you a subscription to Bust Magazine. I mean, like look at that. that, you're getting free shit for clicking and writing a couple sentences. Like it just that's just how serious we are about this. So do it. You won't regret it. You don't it. deserve it, and you gonna get it anyway. You know what I mean? Like that's amazing to me. That's amazing to me too. But also, we love you guys so much, and thank you for listening. Until yeah. next time. Mwah!